the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, the aphorisms of Patanjali, the very first aphorism <coughs> is Ath Yoga Nushasanam. Ath means now, Yoga means the art, the ability to join with your pristine consciousness, with your primal consciousness. Anushasan is discipline. I want to tell you something at the outset. <clears throat> Good meditation or intense meditation is never enjoyable. Please don't expect any joy out of meditation. That only comes from bad meditation. Because you're sitting, maybe listening to nice music and you're just thinking a few things and you get up all nice and happy and say, wow, that was good meditation. That meditation or such meditation will only bring about 1% change in your life. Such meditation cannot bring any changes in your life because that is not really meditation. You are just sitting. There's a there were two ladies, I think I wrote on a blog a while ago. And they met after a long time. And one said to the other, how are you doing these days? She said, I'm doing just fine. And she said, how's your son? Oh, he's doing great too, she said. Is he employed yet? She asked. She said, no, he's not employed, but he does meditation these days. <laughs> and she said, what's meditation? She said, you know what, I don't know. I guess it's better than sitting around and doing nothing. <laughs> She said, I don't know what's meditation, but I suppose it's better than sitting around and doing nothing. And that's exactly what meditation is though. It's learning how to do nothing. All our lives, we have been conditioned to believe that you have to do something to be something. That somehow you always have to be doing stuff for you to feel productive. But do you actually know, research states that there is there are great health benefits if you're lazy, if you don't do anything, it's actually very healthy. People who work out a lot, you know, people who are very ambitious in their lives and really work very hard, are the ones who actually have more illnesses. Those who lead a balanced life, we've been told, you know, get up in the morning, get up in the morning. By the way, getting up late is very good for the body. Yes, it's very good. This is old school that you have to get up at 4 in the morning. Getting up at 8 or 9 is actually very good. And I'm not saying it, the research proves it. So lazy people are less stressed. And lazy people live longer. And lazy people are healthier. See, any day. You just look around, not in this hall, please. There are no lazy people here. <laughs> you look around in your life at other people. And uh, the ones you hate the most are lazy people, I'm sure. You're saying, why can't you get up and do this thing? And, but they are somehow at more peace than those who are very hardworking. And only two people, two types of people can live in solitude. A true yogi or a true lazy. You know? <laughs> they can be happy on their own. If you're not a yogi or you're not lazy, <laughs> 
then it's a problem. Then you have to attend all these retreats and learn how to meditate and all that, you know. <laughs> but if you're lazy, you can just sleep it off, you know. So meditation is laziness with awareness. And it's incredibly powerful. Because you can be you without being tense. That's what laziness is. There is no tension in laziness. But you're aware that this is how I'm leading my life right now. So that's what meditation is. But to get to that most blissful state of laziness with awareness, you have to walk through a certain discipline first. You know, if you see somebody who does skating, for example, ice skating or, or something like that, or figure skating, you see those uh, marvelous movements they do on the rink, on the skating rink, on the hall. But before they could demonstrate that flexibility of the body, before they could feel like one with the music and with the surrounding and with everything they're doing, they have put in rigorous amounts of hours in practice. So meditation at first is a discipline and it's an act. And the greatest people on the planet meditated even if they didn't know about it. Mahavir did, Buddha did, Christ's meditation was compassion. Guru Nanak's meditation was on the formless. All the great saints, sages, all the greatest discoverers, inventors, they were in a state of meditation because all your insights will only come in that state. But to get to that state is no accidental phenomena. It's not accidental phenomenon. It's something you, you follow the process and you will get there. So meditation begins with discipline. Atha Yoga Nushasanam, Patanjali says. And Atha means now. He started his text, his exposition, his proposition with the word now. And that's the greatest challenge for anybody. To live in now. And that's why we enjoy reading good books, or you enjoy watching a good movie, or you enjoy listening to a good talk. Because you are able to live in now when you are doing that. The more you are able to live in now during those moments, the more you will enjoy. Boredom arises when your mind is not in now. When you find no, no, no joy in now, then you become bored. And when your mind becomes bored, then either you become restless or you say, I have to figure something out, I have to go out of here or I have to do something. It's boredom. But meditation is attaining that union with yourself. Just imagine how attached we are to this conditioning that we are forever going to see other people. In one of the first eulogy that we sang, there was a word that said, Shrimat Sabha Naika, that Mother Divine as the pristine energy in you 
is presiding over a congregation, a group. You are forever in a group. You have come here to listen to somebody. You turn on the TV to listen to somebody. You go to a movie to listen to somebody. There's always some person in your life. And when you are on your own, you're still with your thoughts. You're never really alone. And meditation is learning how to be alone. Because if you can learn to be alone, I promise you, you will never be lonely. If you're not lonely, there is no unhappiness at all in life. And that's what meditation is about. It's discipline. Somebody asked me last time when I was here, she said, Swamiji, can you read minds of other people? I said, I lost interest completely because all I saw in people's minds, minds are other people. When I walk into anybody's mind, it's full of other people. There's nothing of their own there. It's full of people. They're not alone. I can't have a conversation with them in their mind. It's full of other people, you know. People have more people in their heads. And I have plenty outside. I don't have to go into your mind <laughs> to see more people. And when you can filter out those people in your head, then the noise gets filtered out. And when the noise gets filtered out, then you hear the music. That's really the only difference between music and noise, right? If you hear something that you want to hear or you're expecting to hear, that's music. When you hear something that you're not expecting, that's noise. Between that expectation and want is the music. And there is no music without quietude. That quietness of the mind comes from meditation. And meditation alone. Or you are totally absorbed in doing some activity that you absolutely enjoy. Maybe that is also a good way of keeping yourself engaged. But meditation is not about engagement of the mind. Meditation is about freedom of the mind. When you go beyond engaging it in an activity. So in the beginning, when you're following a discipline, meditation is what you do. At that time, meditation is a verb. It's an act. It's an action you perform. But when you keep doing it, and as you begin to champion it, it becomes a phenomenon. It is something that happens to you then. It becomes a state of mind. Meditation is not anything anymore that you do then. You become meditation. You live in meditation. You become the object of meditation. And that union is called yoga. That's the meaning of yoga. Yoga is not about sitting there and stretching your limbs here and there and all those postures alone. That's only one tiny aspect of yoga. Yoga is rejoining yourself, going back to your source, connecting yourself with what you have lost. Because from the moment we are born, 
we are constantly compared with somebody else. Be like this person, be like that person. This person should be a role model or look at him or look at her. You know, be like him or be like her. This is not good enough. You've got 80%, not good enough. You should have 90%. You've got 90%, look at him, you know, it's 95%. Rumi used to say, maybe what you're searching in the boughs, what you're searching in the branches of a tree, you say maybe what you're searching in the boughs is can, is, uh, can only be found in the roots. So we are searching in the experiences of life, a sense of happiness, maybe a bigger car, maybe a bigger home, maybe a better person, maybe a different career, maybe the skill, maybe that talent, maybe another country, maybe this food, maybe a certain lifestyle will make me happy, but it won't. Maybe temporarily, because happiness is about uniting with yourself. And when you do that, then you get to the roots. This is an inverted tree, Krishna says. This tree of life is inverted. It's everybody is like a tree. These are the branches. Your limbs are the branches. And the root is here, Urdhvamulam. The root is up. The root of all actions, all, all, all actions, absolutely all, bar none, arises from here. And meditation is getting here and wiping it clean. <laughs>